Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. Welcome to the Heal Thy Skin podcast. I'm Marnie, your host, and today I'm speaking with Madeline Kelfus of The Wellness Group. Madeline is an integrative medicine practitioner and highly experienced certified aesthetic nurse practitioner. And with over 20 years in her field, she is dedicated to furthering her knowledge and expertise in the field of anti-aging and integrative medicine. She's also an injector and laser trainer to other nurses and doctors, and her credentials are as long as my arm. So many different courses that she's done. Madeline understands that being an integrative practitioner means understanding that the human body is more than just a collection of systems, symptoms, and illnesses. It's really about looking at the body as a whole and incorporating all the pieces of the puzzle to see the big picture. And she truly believes that this is the future of medicine and is committed wholeheartedly to promoting this practice. It's something that we go right deep into into this uh, interview today. We also debunk the myths relating to IV infusions and Madeline talks about her experience in combining her skill set to get the best results for her clients. I started by asking Madeline what she thought was the biggest misconception about IV therapy. I had a really good think about this because it's an interesting question. I've never actually had someone come up and ask me that before. But if I had to say, I think, you know what, people think it's gimmicky. I think they see the Kardashians and they see the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and all of that. And they see all these people having it and it's all like, oh, isn't this great? And I think they really think it's a trendy thing to do as opposed to it being a therapeutic thing to do. And I think the fact that there are more and more clinics popping up offering hangover cures and everything else. And it does come across that way, you know, sort of in a sense, but it's really, it's kind of taken a little bit of a deviation really from what it was intended, which is to give intravenous nutrients to where they're needed and in doses and ratios that you would not normally be able to get. So yeah, I think it's really, people don't understand how effective on a therapeutic level this can be. And it's not just about a hangover cure. Yeah, good point. And I'm looking forward to delving deeper into that a little bit more. But I would love you to tell us about your career because you do have a list of qualifications as long as my arm. So tell us about, I guess, some of the main highlights. Where did you start? Why did you choose some of the courses that you've done? And what do they include as well? Well, I'm the daughter of a doctor. So that's always kind of been in my blood, if you want to say, so to speak. But I was kind of more taken to the natural side of things. So when I left high school, I went straight into naturopathy, started doing that, finished off my massage diploma, got really into that. And then kind of took a little bit of a deviation when I had a wrist injury that meant I couldn't do any massage anymore, ended up working with my father who had just purchased a new laser. And this was 20 something years ago. He needed someone to use it. I needed a new career at that point. I hadn't quite finished off my naturopathy, so I started doing all the laser side of things. And this was before they were on every street corner. It was not something to do. Lasers had really just come into Australia at that point. So I started doing that. Always wanted to go back and finish off my naturopathy, so I went back and finished off my naturopathy, was still doing the laser side of things and got this peek into this world of the cosmetic medical side of things and I thought, this is great. And from that, I decided I'll go and do my nursing degree so that I could do more than just lasers, knowing that it also allowed me to do a lot more with my naturopathics as well. So I went and did my Bachelor of Nursing. I've got my... Bachelor of Naturopathy, my advanced diplomas, all of those up my sleeve. And from there, it's just kind of rolled itself and Mm. just kind of taken a life of its own where I always knew that as a naturopath, I never wanted to be what I considered to be a naturopathic GP. 
I love the area of anti-aging, obviously, and I thought that's where I want to focus. That's my niche. That's my passion. And I want to see how I can get the two worlds to kind of merge together. And it was really just a chance meeting with one of my reps from the cosmetic side that was telling me about the Australasian Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, so the A5M in Australia. And she was telling me, I'm like, oh, my God, that's exactly what I've been looking for. I didn't know this whole thing existed. And so I went to one of their first conferences and from there went and got the A5M certification. And it all just, as I said, it's just been driving itself. It's all just laid itself out there. And the more I kind of get into it from there, I found all about methylation and, you know, the wonderful world of genetic SNPs and it just falls into your lap. It's funny how it happens. Yeah. And so when you were doing different courses, was it because you needed it, wanted a career change or did you think, how can I bring all this together? Because I know that's kind of what you're doing now in your practice is that you are working very holistically, but was it always the goal to use all of these different modalities together? I don't think it was necessarily a conscious thing, but it was never me sitting down going, no, I'm tired of what I'm doing. I want to do something else. It was always, I'd come across one thing and I'd be like, oh, I like that. And then once you kind of investigate it, you're like, you know what? If I do this and I put it with this, then I can do X, Y, Z. And as I said, it just allows you to do and offer so much more to be able to help your patients so much more. So when I saw, for instance, that they were doing the intravenous nutrients, and this was once again, several years ago, I came across it at one of the A5M conferences. And I was like, this is great because there are ways that you can deliver things you know that you ordinarily couldn't do if you're just giving supplementation for instance so it was never just a conscious I don't want to do this anymore I want to go over to this it's always I like this how can I bring that in and I like this and I want to do this as well and let's bring it all in and so everything that I do just kind of adds to the business and to the practice and what I can offer and what I can do even if it's in a very non-traditional sort of a sense that you would never normally kind of sit there and go, well, this meets together and this comes together. Well, that's a very odd couple. But we just find ways to make it work. And you take little bits and pieces from here and there and you meld them in and you go, well, I really like this aspect of that. I can use that. And if I take this and I basically do it over here with this, then that works. That works really well. Like I get great results and I get very happy patients, which is always what we want. And in the meantime, I still get to do things that are just so interesting to me. And I think that's key, really. I think it has to just be a matter of don't do something just because it's a job. Do something because you really, really enjoy it. And it's so true what they say, that if you do that, then really you're not going to work. You know what I mean? It's just doing what you love doing and the rest just kind of takes care of itself. Yeah, it builds this kind of purpose. And also I guess it all needs some kind of creativity as well to think these things or these modalities haven't been traditionally used together. So how can I make the most of them and then use them together? What are some ways that you apply a holistic approach to your patients and consumers treatments? A great way to start really would be really kind of a basic sounding one, for instance. So I'll get a patient coming in to see me for acne and then you sit there and go, okay, well, let's have a look and see what's going on. So instead of just doing your usual cosmetic treatments, you'll sit there and go, okay, well, we're going to do these. We're going to approach it from this angle, but acne really is a multifactorial problem. So we can't just approach it from one angle. We have to sit there and go, well, let's approach it topically. But at the same time, let's have a look and see what's actually going on. Because it's one thing to try and fix the problem on the surface, but there's something that's creating it there underneath. So you'll kind of delve a little bit deeper and then you'll go, right, okay, well, this is happening because you've got X, Y, Z that's happening, you know, maybe in a nutritional perspective or you've got major stresses going on or did you realise that you're actually, you know, allergic to avocados or something and that's your favorite food and you're eating four avocados a day maybe not that extreme but along those lines or you'll sit there and you'll get somebody who comes in you know they've got thinning hair and it's just getting sparser and sparser and they come in to see you because we've got a fantastic hair regrowth program and they're like I want you to fix it but before I put you on the, onto the program I'm going to send you off and I want to get some pathology done because everything else you're telling me is, you know, for instance, I'm looking at you going, I would bet my right foot that you've got thyroid issues involved mm. or that you've got 
iron deficiency or something along those lines. So they'll come to you for an aesthetic reason, but you break it down and go, well, aesthetically, this is happening because of what's happening nutritionally or because of what's happening in terms of, you know, as I said, genetic variances or anything else that's going on within your body. So we can treat it on this side, but then we need to also come in and have a look at it on this side because this is ultimately going to fix the problem long-term. We can do a short-term, but we can also do a long-term. And that's really what you want to be doing. So that's, and it works just, as I said, it just works. And it makes so much sense if someone has issues with their hair, you don't just want to treat the hair follicle because obviously it's something else happening internally that may be affecting that hair follicle. So if you can get to the root of the cause, excuse the pun, you can treat more effectively. So do you have some examples of perhaps great results you've been able to achieve using this holistic approach that maybe you're not sure would be achievable otherwise? Well, as I said, because I am a registered nurse, I get to do some things that I would never be able to do as a naturopath nutritionist. I had one lady, she's a favourite of mine to talk about, and she actually came to see me for an aesthetic treatment. And then once she was there, she actually happened to say, while I'm here, a few months ago, I got stung by a stingray. And then I had to go and have surgery to have the barb removed from my foot. And then when I was in hospital, I developed an infection and it's been four months and the wound is just not closing and it's infected. The doctor has put me on all sorts of antibiotics. We've managed to improve it, but it's just not. She still had this big hole on the top of her foot. And she just happened to ask my opinion. And said she was there for something totally unrelated. And it's one of those things. We offer a treatment called PRP, platelet-rich plasma. And it's taking your blood cells, spinning them around and re-injecting the platelets, the growth factors back into the tissue. So once again, people do use this for a cosmetic purpose. I I like to use it more in terms of a medical healing sense because you're taking those growth factors and you're, you're getting the body to do what it wants to do, but it can't. So we did, we injected them into her foot and within four weeks we had done what you know, months of medical treatment couldn't do. So, and she's one of my favorite results to talk about because her foot has completely healed over. Little scar, but she was always going to have a scar. That was from the surgery. And she's thrilled. So yeah, she's she's one of my absolute favorites to talk about just because of that, because it's taking something that really is more of a, it was an aesthetic treatment typically, but we used it in more of a, a holistic way. It's in the going, well, if this does this, then let's put it into this manner of a treatment and get it, get, you know, basically use it to get the body to do what it needs to do. I don't think we would have got the same results if obviously she'd continued doing what she was doing medically. Her only other option at that point was a wound revision, which she definitely did not want to do. And to be honest, I don't think we would have got those same results if I just approached it naturopathically either because to get that kind of wound healing to happen, it just wasn't doing it. So we just really kind of needed to find this alternative option that just grew in there and worked. But that to me is kind of part of the whole treating them holistically. It's not, this is what I do. This is my nice, neat little box and this is how I'm going to treat you. And then this is what the results will be and then we'll rinse and repeat. It's very much outside of the box and having a look and going, okay, well, ordinarily I would do this, but that's not working or something's telling me that this is not the way to go this time. So what else can we find? And it's just looking at your patients as though they are obviously not just a set of problems. It's just, it's the whole entire unit in front of you. And every time, even if it comes down to, you know, menopausal flushes and all the symptoms that go with menopause and just treating them in those different ways and use a combination. And yeah, sometimes it's trial and error, but most of the time it works and it's great. And if it doesn't, you just stop and readjust your thinking and your parameters and come at it from a different way. So that is, yeah, that's, I think any of our treatments that work so well, that's why it's just, you just got to go with it. And kind of make it up a little bit as, I love you, that. as you go along. And, and I love that example, like how unique to have a stingray wound. And this is just something that you don't learn in textbooks, right? And we've had multiple surgeons and dermatologists and things 
really esteemed on the podcast and they've talked about these new kinds of methods, whether it be in surgery or dermatology or some kind of new medication. And the only way these came about was not necessarily trial and error. You don't want to just be trialing anything and you know not being safe. But obviously, when you have an experience, when you have the qualifications and the knowledge of something, to be able to kind of push the boundaries, be creative and use your clinical thinking kind of skills to develop new treatment programs for something that was never potentially thought of before. I just, what a great way to... Yeah, to be able to progress how we are actually viewing certain skin conditions and health conditions. And that's, you know what, that's such a common thread all throughout sort of medicine. I mean, look at Viagra. It's not what it was originally intended for. Yeah. But they just happen to notice, hey, we have this fabulous side effect here. So now it's been marketed as as an impotency drug you know and if you have a look at even a lot of the cosmetic treatments that we do they start off as as medical treatments so it's the exact same thing that you understand the principles and how the treatment works and what it's doing and how it works in the body how the body responds to it then you can take that and you can actually apply it in different ways and for different indications that they might sit there and say technically well that's really not what it was supposed to be used for but you know what it works absolutely works um and so you know we hear it all the time when we sit there and and mention to patients about you know prp and they say oh is that the vampire facial it's like yeah it is but we're not using it for that so (laughs) we're using it in this and once you explain to them you know how it works and what you want it to do then like you know what that makes sense yeah absolutely and one of the services that you provide is IV therapy, which is why we had that question at the beginning. So what exactly is it? Because I have fallen under that misconception that it's a bit of a gimmick because you do see it used more for hangover cures and, and things like that. So tell us more about IV therapy. So really the way it is, is supposed to be used is obviously to deliver basically high doses or stronger doses of nutrients obviously directly into the bloodstream so when you give somebody a supplement and they take one obviously they're not going to get a hundred percent absorption of that supplement you're lucky if they get 50 percent. so when you do things that are intravenous it's 100 percent absorption because you are totally bypassing the digestive system so if you have for instance somebody who has a b12 deficiency Maybe they've got a long-term history of being on antacids. Antacids, number one, will deplete your B12. But the fact that they're obviously taking antacids is because they've got a lot of reflux, maybe a little bit of damage to the esophagus or anything like that, which is also further going to impair their absorption of a B12 supplement. So if you need to get their levels up and you give it to them either intramuscularly, which you can do with a B12, or intravenously, you bypass where that problem is. So if they're having issues absorbing it, there's no point them taking it orally because they're not going to get any benefit from it. So you go, right, okay, while we give your, you know, your stomach a chance to heal, while we give the effects of your antacids time to wear off, let's give it to you in a different way that we know that your body's going to actually be able to use it and absorb it. It's the same if you're going to give somebody an iron infusion. Very common problem with iron supplementation is constipation. If they're constipated from an iron tablet or iron supplement, it's because they're not absorbing it. But if you've got someone who's got very low iron levels, then you need to get that iron up. How are you going to do that? Great way to do it is iron infusion. You just give them either one dose. Sometimes you'll need to give them multiple doses over multiple weeks. But once again, it's that direct 100% absorption that's going to get their levels up. So if you have, as I said, someone who needs their levels up quickly, Um, and you don't have months to slowly build it up, then it's a great way to do it. That's not to say it doesn't have its other benefits as well. Absolutely it does. But I know every time my father has one, he complains about beforehand, you know, sore joints and restless legs and waking up with cramps. And he has one, we put magnesium in it and he's great. So it makes you feel good. But it's also, as I said, you're able to use it on a therapeutic level as well. So how does it differ, say, if someone is B12 deficient and then they go to the doctor and they get 
an injection, you know, immediately. How is IV therapy different? There's not a big amount of difference between intramuscular and intravenous. You can actually interchange the two of them. Obviously, a B12 shot, so an IM intramuscular is great if somebody doesn't particularly want to have an IV, but you can interchange the two. There's not a lot of difference between those two. Once again, you're bypassing that oral route, so you're bypassing the digestion system. Either way, you're going to take them up quite, quite quickly. And one is the IV takes a bit longer to administer, is that correct? It does. Um, obviously, we need to be concerned about what we're giving and how much we're giving and over what period of time. So it's no different to administering medication in a hospital, for instance. If you're going to give something that's a tablet form, then obviously you'll give X amount of a dose. If you're going to give it as an IV, if anyone's ever been in hospital and had their medication in a little bag, you know, they drip it over a, a longer period of time. So it really just depends on what, what you're having. You can't just push these things through. And this is where understanding, obviously, from a nutritional perspective, what it is that you're wanting to give and why you're wanting to give it works really well with the nursing side of things in terms of how am I going to give it how long, calculating your drip rate and everything else. So if you want to give someone a high dose of vitamin C, for instance, and when I'm saying high dose, we're talking 15, 30, 45, 60 grams, then I wouldn't do 60 grams in the clinic. They would need that over a few hours. So you'd say, okay, <laughs> that's one for, the, for when you're on the ward. But you can't give them too quickly because then you run issues with, you know, potentially with kidneys and things like that. So it's just a matter of understanding what and how and why. Why are we doing it? And what are the potential ramifications? If you understand that, then it's pretty good. Yeah, really interesting. I haven't had one myself, but I am interested. So if someone was, say, having a treatment or coming to see you for a skin condition or even maybe something more invasive, like some kind of surgical mm -hmm. procedure, how would you incorporate IV therapy into either the treatment or the healing aspect? Well, it just depends on, once again, what they're having done. So if they're going to have a surgical procedure, either with us or say we've got patients who, for instance, say, look, I'm booked in, I've got to go have a hysterectomy or I'm having my appendix out, you know, two days or maybe not that one, but anything like that where they're about to have a general anaesthesia. Well, we know that when you have general anaesthesia, it's going to affect your B12 levels, it's going to affect your glutathione because your glutathione jumps into bailout B12. So you need to stock up on those and then you need to replace them after the anesthesia as well. So I would sit there and say to somebody, we'll come in beforehand and we'll give you intravenous either B12 or a B-complex and we'll give you some glutathione as well. And that's all going to help your body and be prepared for what the anesthesia is going to do to your body. And then after you've recovered and after you're all healed up and everything else, come back in and we'll do another one just to replace the stores again that have been depleted because of that anesthesia. Oh, that's so, really you know, that is one way that you could do it. If you've got someone who's got a lot of bad cystic acne, then we want to sit there and work on liver support. So what we'll do is, you know, we'll say glutathione and zinc at the same time, you know, we'll give you those because that's really going to help with your liver support and that whole detoxification pathway. That's what we want. So you can apply it in so many different ways. At the moment, we've been doing a lot of intravenous vitamin C yeah, uh, with the climate the way that it is at the moment. So it's, you know, it, it just depends on what you want to do and how, how you want to do it. And then, you go, okay, this is what we'll do. So are there risks, side effects? I mean, obviously it would be greatly dependent on what you're actually administering, but what are some of the most common or known risks of IV therapy, whether it be in a clinical practice or perhaps when it's used in more of that gimmicky kind of after a hangover? Okay, well, your biggest thing is, is that you're accessing a vein. So you need obviously proper aseptic technique. You need to make sure that you're minimizing as much as you possibly can the risk of infection because, as I said, we're putting something straight into, into your bloodstream. So there is always the possibility of, of infection because you're breaking the skin. But the same can be said when you go and have your anti-wrinkle injections. You know, you're breaking the skin. So you've penetrated that barrier. There is a risk of infection. Probably the most 
likely side effect, if you can call it that, or risk with an IV is that people get up and start using their arms way too soon. So we'll tell everybody, just don't lift anything too heavy with your arm for an hour because that vein needs to, it's got to close. So every now and then somebody will get up and do too much too soon and they reopen the vein and they'll be like, oh, what's dripping down my arm? Okay, it closes up. It's no drama. <laughs> but it's you know probably the, the biggest, as I said, risk, if you want to call it, the most likely to happen. Otherwise, it's, once again, if you run the drip too fast or if somebody's going to have a reaction to iron infusion, for instance, you need to just be aware. And so throughout the whole process, somebody might be in there for an hour and we are constantly checking on them, checking not just the drip rate, but making sure that their arm feels comfortable. If you're running vitamin C too fast, you can get a bit of a stinging sensation in the arm. So is it as simple as having an IV after a big night? Does it make you feel a whole lot better? It really depends on you. So I will have some people that have an IV and they, one was actually one, our practice manager, she had one and she's just turned 30. And when she first had it, she was in her you know, sort of mid-20s and she had it. She went home the next morning, she got up at four o'clock, took the dog for a walk, started cleaning the house and was like, I had so much energy. I'm like, well, you're 25. Of course you do. So some people will feel it straight away. Other people will feel it in different ways. Some people will kind of not have that I'm bouncing off walls energy type thing, but they'll notice, you know what, my joints aren't as sore. I'm actually walking up and down the stairs and I'm not hearing that creaking sound in my knee or I'm actually feeling a little bit more motivated than I was the last couple of days or just generally overall just not having to pull over and have a nap by the side of the road or feeling that fatigued you know, at 10 o'clock in the morning, whereas normally they'd be like, I'm exhausted and I've been awake, you know, for three hours and I'm ready to go back to bed. So it will affect everybody differently and in different ways. And I think it's just all about the expectations. I've done iron infusions on women before who were actually like, you know what, I've actually had the energy to tidy up the house. And I'm like, don't waste your energy on tidying up the house, go and do something fun. <laughs> so do you think that IV treatment or therapy is something that is here to stay? Do you think we're going to see more of it used in, I guess, outside of the hospital or outside of the general practitioner's office? I would like to see it in multiple different ways. High dose vitamin C is something that they've been using as an adjunct to chemotherapy treatments, for instance. And there are studies that back this up. This is not all sort of hypothetical. This is, there are studies that have done, you know. So people who are having chemotherapy, we're not talking about replacing their treatment, but the studies have actually shown that the vitamin C actually helps the efficacy of the chemotherapy. So you're getting a better end result. Plus you've got a healthier patient to deal with the effects of the chemotherapy. So, you know, that is a fabulous way. I'd like to see um, hospitals do more of it, to be honest. Same with sepsis and septic shock, great results with that. I would like to see it outside of the hospitals as well, because we don't need to be clogging up our hospital systems. But once again, it depends on the reasons that it's being used. So as I said, do I think every cosmetic clinic should have it? Not if they don't have a nutritional understanding of it. Because as I said, it's not supposed to be gimmicky. It's not supposed to be, oh, well, I've had too much to drink. Let's go have an IV and feel better. It's <laughs> yeah. therapeutic. Yeah, It's absolutely therapeutic. And as I said, if you get benefits from having a glutathione infusion that you know what your skin's a little bit dewier and just glows a little bit that's great but understand the reason that that works is because as i said glutathione is liver detoxification if your liver is working better then guess what your skin's going to look better so as i said it's therapeutic i do i think it's just underestimated in terms of how effective it can be and it's not necessarily that somebody's going to have IVs for the rest of their life but as I said if you've got somebody who's really nutritionally deplete and you want those levels up ASAP then start with some IVs get the levels up hit them hard and then you can transition them to a supplement to maintain the levels after that so use it it's there make it you know take advantage of it make it work for you I'd love to hear more about your treatments and, you know, using all these pieces of a puzzle to treat holistically, because I think that's just so fascinating. 
Do you have some other perhaps stories or clinical memories of treatments? Because by the sounds of talking about IV therapy being therapeutic and then people coming to see you for what they think is a cosmetic concern, but then they actually have these underlying types of conditions. I think that's a really interesting thing to explore. So when someone first comes to see you, are you kind of thinking, are you looking at them thinking, more in a therapeutic way? And what are some examples of, I guess, some of your clients' outcomes? When they come in, obviously, it's the same old, okay, why, what brings you here today? What are your concerns? And you usually find that just listening to them and saying, well, this is it, you know, and listening to them, you already start going, okay, well, you're telling me uh, just to go back to, you know, the thinning hair, for instance, you're telling me that you're tired all the time your hair's falling out, you're suddenly cold all the time. And these are all the things that you kind of automatically sit there going, okay, yep. well, what we need to do first, let's get some pathology done and let's have a look at thyroid function and let's have a look at, you know, any other pathology we possibly can and we'll take it from there. Some people will like to obviously have something straight away. So it might be, we might get, and I'm, I'm not going to use the name, I'm going to call it anti-wrinkle, but that's totally not appropriate for what we're using it here for. But I had someone come in not that long ago and she was concerned about her crow's feet and her frowns on her, her frown lines on her forehead, which is great. That's anti-wrinkle. No drama is nice and straightforward. And then she started telling me about how she had this accident and how I've got to go and see my osteo and I've got this massive shoulder and it's just it's so sore and he tries to get in there, but it's so painful and it's, you know, X, Y, Z. And you're like, you know, you can actually use anti-wrinkle. It's a muscle relaxant. So we can put it in the muscle and actually relax it. It's a totally non-cosmetical approach to it because that's not what you came for. But the principle is exactly the same. You're relaxing the muscle. So, you know, you've got a person who came in for one thing because she was concerned aesthetically, but then she actually has a medical functional problem that's giving her a lot of grief and a lot of pain. Um, And you're like, well, same product. (laughs) I'm just going to use it in two different ways. So let's do that. Be a detective, Um, I guess, because unless you're asking the questions and probing, people aren't going to be forthright with letting you know about these things because they might not even realize that there's something they can do about it. And that's exactly right. The thing It happens in the cosmetic sense, but it also happens obviously in the therapeutic naturopathic sense as well, where they'll just talk, which is absolutely fine, talk away. And that's when you sit there and go, well, you know, we can do something about that. And you know that this is worth investigating because it's quite likely that this is what's happening. So you didn't come here for that, but you're telling me clearly it's an issue. It's something that's bothering you and you didn't think you could do anything about it, but you know what? We can. So it's, yeah, just about, as you say, being the detective, but also thinking outside that, that box. And I know it's a very, you know, sort of cliche thing to say, but it's so true. Mm. It's about how can I take what I've got and just use it? Maybe not in the same way that I ordinarily would, but I understand what I'm doing with it and how it works. So let's just apply it in a different manner to see if we can get the result that we want over here. And that's, yeah, it's, no one ever says, don't, you know, don't help me. (laughs) That's right. I think um, it's those clinical thinking skills. And that often comes back from being a student. Like often if I'm speaking with students and trying to probe them to don't just write down what's in the textbook. Yes, that might give you a perfect score on a test, but in the real world, everyone is so different. And if you can develop your clinical thinking skills and you really understand the modalities and the mechanism of action, then you're going to be able to apply it in different ways that may not have been used before, but you're going to get better results for your clients. Exactly. That's exactly it. If you truly understand what it is that you are doing, if you truly understand, as you said, the mechanism of how it works, then you can apply it in different ways that's outside of that textbook. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's how we've gotten to most of the treatments and everything that we have these days is that somebody sat down and went, oh, okay, you know what? So if you have a passion for one area, 
explore it and just have as much understanding as you possibly can about it because you'll be able to find so many different ways to to use it to help people in different situations that ordinarily according to a textbook you could never have done so yeah just take that knowledge and and build up on it absolutely Mm, absolutely and i mean of course you're using evidence-based type treatments and modalities and knowledge etc but some aspects might be a bit explorative so when it comes to managing patient expectations it's something that all practitioners therapists clinicians have struggled with at one point in their time of their career how do you manage this with your clientele you have that very important conversation up front and you sit there and you say you know what this is what we expect to happen it may not happen It may only happen to 30% of that. It may only happen to 15% of that. Or we just need to have that conversation about this is what I'm expecting the outcome should be based on X, Y, Z. But there is always going to be that small percentage of people that don't respond the way that we expect them to. And prime example is you could have you know like when they say to parents don't give your child finergan for the first time on an airplane because there is always going to be that small percentage of children that it does the exact opposite to and so instead of helping the child to sleep it's going to make them wide awake like they've just you know had 20 cups of coffee and obviously we understand that to be well obviously there's a genetic pathway that's happening there that's not allowing it to to do what it's supposed to do but it's the exact same thing you know you make sure that they understand this is what it is supposed to do and this is how we are expecting this to play out but it may not so I need you to be very very okay with the fact that you may not get what we're expecting but it's the same even with some of our cosmetic procedures that will sit there and say look and a lot of the times we'll actually under promise because i want them to have that expectation and if i can sit there and say you know what if i can improve this by 30 percent, are you happy with that and knowing that more than likely it's going to be well above 30 percent. but if you tell me that you're happy with a 30 percent improvement then we're good mm. so it's just as you say managing the expectations but having that very honest conversation with them to say that you know what it's possible this may not work or it may not work the way that we want it to work but if it doesn't we have other options that we can try and that we can do so it's not as though if this doesn't work I can't help you it's just we're going to start here and then let's just work it out as we go along I don't have all the answers I don't profess to have all the answers we'll work it out together as we go along so and if they're happy with that, then great. And if they're not happy with that and they want a magic cure, then I'm not their practitioner. That's really good advice. And I think even for any treatments, really, even if it's something that you're doing every single day, to be really upfront because while you know 97% of the times it is going to do what you think it's going to do if you've done it so many times, there's a chance that it won't. And if you are upfront every single time, then at least that client can make an informed decision. Exactly. And you're kind of giving them the ownership of it as well, I guess, because we don't know how everything is going to respond for every single person. Absolutely not. When I have a patient for acne, I tell them, this is not an overnight fix. This is something that's going to take months and you need to be patient and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to sit there and think it's never going to get better, but it will. (laughs) But it's not an overnight fix. There is no such thing as an overnight fix, except for (laughs) anti-wrinkle. I think that's so Um, true as well. And, And, you know, I hear so many people having exhausted all options for a specific skin concern. And I think, you know, they've gone to lots of different clinics and providers and tried all these different products. And I think sometimes it actually comes back to perhaps that clinician not having that conversation at the start and that client then therefore having these unrealistic expectations. So then after a couple of treatments, they're not getting the results that they want. They just go somewhere else. 
and you know take for example a scar a scar can take two years to remodel that is a long time for someone and sometimes you know within eight weeks they're thinking oh it's still red it's still tender it's still this it's still that if it's not explained at the beginning that this is going to be a process of remodeling and it's going to take two years then of course a client is going to feel a little bit underwhelmed with a treatment or the progress of whatever you're doing absolutely absolutely they need to it needs to be it's an upfront conversation and it's something you have before you go any further down the treatment road it's Mm. as right up there with cost and how frequently i'm going to see you and will it hurt and everything else needs to be that management of expectation and as I said, if it's going to be a process, I will tell you it's going to be a process. If I tell you it's not going to hurt, it's not going to hurt. Yeah. If I tell you it will hurt, it will hurt. It will hurt. So it's all about managing. Yeah, very much. So you've done it so well integrating all your different experiences and knowledge into your treatments at the wellness group or GMC Medical. How can other clinics and practitioners offer perhaps a more holistic treatment program for their clientele when they don't necessarily have a team of like all these in-house experts? They need, I think, really, as I said, to stop just going, this is the treatment protocol and this is how we do it. They need to, once again, think beyond that and not don't be afraid to challenge something if you know that that's not quite the way it should be or if you know something to be true then don't be afraid to challenge it not to stand up and make a big you know fuss about it but I remember 20 plus years ago and it sounds awful that I'm saying that but I did some laser training for a big chain now once again this is when lasers were just sort of really coming into popularity and I was telling them they wanted me to come and do this training session I did and I just said to them look you want to use contact gel And they were like, no, you don't want to use, no, we don't need to do it. No, we've been told we don't need it. Everybody uses contact gel now, just putting it out. They're not saying I started that, but it was just the sort of thing. They were adamant that they had been told one way and there could be no other way. And it's like, that's, we all know that that's not true. That's never true. It's always just have the ability to kind of stand back and look from a slightly different perspective And just see if something's not working the way that you think it's going to work or that it's supposed to work, then rather than just going, well, I don't know what to do with you or just keep plugging along doing the exact same thing anyway, just stop and go, okay, well, how else can we approach this or what else can we do? And even if that means referring on, it's never a bad thing to refer on. doesn't matter what kind of a practitioner you are. If you're a doctor, if you're a naturopath, if you're a kinesiologist, it doesn't matter. If you refer somebody on and they get the results done, they will always be eternally grateful to you because you put them in the path of somebody who could fix them instead of going, no, no, I can do it. I can really do it. Um, you know, it's know when to change treatments, know when to refer, just know when to not just keep going, but this is what I was taught. Really good point, Madeline. I've had this same discussion with lots of practitioners like of the Derm Health Co community. And, and I often do polls with the community because we do have both patients and consumers and carers and practitioners on the platform as well. And I ask the providers, do you refer on, you know, do you have a fear of that client not coming back? And I am alarmed at how many people feel like they don't want to refer on because they feel like they're going to lose a client. And I just think it's such a wrong way to view your treatment program. What do you kind of have to say about that? Well, we can't get everything right. Mm. And not, as I said, not every treatment works for every person. But ultimately, as they say, and Hippocratic Oath, even if you don't have to take it as an naturopathic nutritionist, but first rule is do no harm. And so if you are doing something with your patient or for your patient, it's not working and you know it's not working and you have no other tricks in your bag, nothing else that you can offer them, refer on because otherwise you are doing your patient harm. You're not doing the best thing by them. And that is where really your first obligation lies is to help Mm. your patient. 
So if you can't do that, there's nothing wrong with that. And I said, your patient will always be eternally grateful that you got them in touch with the person who was actually able to fix them. And if you have other, other things that they were seeing you for, they will come back to you. It's that whole, if you love someone, let them free. And if they truly love you, they'll come back. It's the same kind of a principle yep. in the sense that if you have their best interests at heart, they will come back to you. But you just can't help them with that one particular problem. There's nothing wrong with saying that. It's, we've tried this. It's not working. I don't know how else that we can do this, but I think this would be someone great to be able to help you. So go and see them. And in the meantime, they'll still come and see you for everything else. And if they don't, well, you don't keep all your patients. It's, but at least you know that you have done the right thing by them. It's sin of hubris, as my high school ancient history teacher would say. Know when you can't help someone. Mm. Know that you don't know everything and you can't always be the answer. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes to say, okay, well, sorry, but refer on doesn't it? It shows integrity. It builds honesty. It builds trust with your clientele. And the other thing is, while some patients we might see for a long period of time, you know, you might see someone for 10, 15, 20 years, if they're coming to see you for a specific concern that might be acute or treatable, then you don't want to see them forever. You want to treat them. You want to help heal them and you want them to go out that door and keep living their life. No, you don't want to hold on to everyone. We'll get some patients who are just in for a straightforward mole removal, right? I'm not expecting to see you over a long term. That's fine. But then you'll be surprised at some who come in and you're like, okay, you're still with me now 15 years later. Yeah. You know, for different things. And that's absolutely fine too. You'll never keep 100% of your patients. But as you said, it's all about integrity. And it's about doing the right thing by your patient because that is what we have ultimately been trained to do. It's to know when you can help and sometimes helping is sending them off. So it's, and it's, as I said, it's not, it's not a failure on anyone's behalf. It's just some things just don't work the way that they're supposed to. So tell us more about the wellness group and the work that you do at GMC Cosmetical. The work that we do or that I do at GMC Cosmetical is really just, as I said, it's I'll have some cosmetic patients and I'll have some naturopathic patients and I get a lot of crossover between the two. So it's really just a matter of seeing people from a functional perspective and they'll come in. We do a whole host of different treatments in terms of GMC Cosmetical, but they're also not just your straightforward dermal fillers and and anti-wrinkles and things like that as well. We do EVA treatments, for instance, where we use radio frequency treatment to actually help from a gynecological perspective. So in terms of, you know, prolapse and dryness and all the wonderful things that happen as we age, we've got treatments to fix that. And in terms of, you know, as I said, looking at skin, whether it's acne or whether it's a lot of sun damage, one of our clinics is out southwest of Sydney, a lot of sun damage, a lot. But it's in terms of how can we actually help them to improve their skin and whether that's going to be a combination of internal and external treatments as well. And so when somebody comes in, it's never just, okay, I'm just going to do this on them that's the treatment it's always there's so much more beyond it so it's just it really is just a multi-modality clinic and we kind of cover a lot so people tell us all we don't sometimes realize how much we do there until we actually kind of get told and then we're like you know what yeah we do do a lot don't we (laughs) but these are just the things that we enjoy doing you know we have obviously myself in terms of naturopath nutritionist integrative rn and then we have my father who's the md he does the surgical side of things we have my sister who's there and she's a podiatric surgeon as well so we kind of literally have you covered from top to toe fantastic i didn't know that it was a completely family run business that is a even family run business that is even more beautiful i love it Yep, I've been working with my father for 20 something, oh, yeah, 20-something years, a long time. Wow. Yes, we still talk. <laughs> wow, a lot of families couldn't do that. So kudos to you guys. Yeah, yeah, I think it's something we're quite proud of, but we just do it and we enjoy being together. So yeah. it just works the way that it does. And it's nice because we have a little bit of overlap in terms of what we do. 
But at the same time, we each had our own little areas that we niche in. So, yeah, 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 we're quite proud of it. Yes, you should be. So where can people find more about you and the work that you do? Okay, so they can go to www.gmccosmetical.com or they can go to thewellnessgroup.net.au and there's a lot more information there, uh, obviously in terms of what we do and what we offer, uh, where we're located and they feel free to give us a call or drop us an email anytime. We've got some amazing front staff and they know just about nearly everything that we do and they love to have a chat too. We all do. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Madeline. It was fantastic to have you on the show. And I'm, although I'm not based in Sydney and I can't come and do it IV anytime soon with all the borders and everything, yes. I would definitely like to explore having an IV something if I need it. That is, I'll make sure that I have all the tests and things as well. When they reopen the borders <laughs> and, and the world goes back to normal, come on in. Yes, definitely yes. come in and have a look because it's not necessarily just about, you know, t- testing levels and things. Obviously, iron you do, but some of them you really just do because you're just feeling a bit black. Mm. Um, and that that's just as important as fixing a, a nutritional deficiency as well. Yeah, you don't have to be clinically deficient in something to have an IV. Sometimes you just need that little bit of extra energy. It's kind of like taking a potassium supplement to just to give you that little bit more energy to, to get up and go. So it's a similar thing, Yeah, but you should definitely come in. Love it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I just loved speaking with Madeline. We could have chatted for hours. And in fact, we continued to chat way after the recording ended. Not only does she speak with passion for her craft, but also holds strong moral code and professionalism, but in a really kind and non-dogmatic kind of way. The three deeper than skin insights that stood out to me were, number one, Madeline explains, first, do no harm. If you are doing something for your patient and it's not working and have no other tricks in your bag, refer on. And if you don't, you're doing your patient harm as you're not doing the best by them and that is where your obligation lies. Well, I know you've heard me harp on about the importance of interprofessional practice and referring on. I've never really heard it put exactly this way. It's an interesting perspective and the more I think about it, the more it makes sense. What do you think? Number two, We don't always see Western and Eastern medicine used together. However, Madeline has been blending different philosophies for many years and I give credit to her and her team for doing it so well. I think she should do more training for um, therapists. What do you think? And number three, I learned a lot about IV infusions and the many applications for it. And since speaking with Madeline and doing some of my own research, I actually found that IV infusions could be good for someone that might have serious gut issues because then those nutrients don't have to go through the gut, which I thought was interesting. Um, I really do think that IV infusions are here to stay. I mean, obviously, it's really important that you are going to a qualified practitioner who checks all your um, levels first, but I would love to know if you've had an IV infusion and if so, what was your experience with it? So share it with me either on social media or sending me an email. And I'd just like to say a big thank you for joining me for another episode of the Heal Thy Skin podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot of you while you're listening and tag us on social media at dermhealth.co. Until next week, be skin powered.